0: is Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Well, hey guys. It's another uh, additional Not Sam Wrestling coming at you. And, I mean, really, I wasn't necessarily expecting to do it this way, but the more I thought about it, the more I just felt like, I don't know, it's it's tough for me, and I think it would be tough for a lot of you guys to, to have this kind of jammed in to a podcast episode with a bunch of other stuff on it, so I thought I would just drop uh, an additional episode onto the YouTube feed and the podcast feed for everybody to get to. Um, it would be really tough for me to make this part of a regular episode of not Sam wrestling just because uh, it's, it's tough for me to think about anything else in wrestling or sports or entertainment or sports entertainment while thinking about what I've been thinking about the last two days. Uh, It's not the funnest time in the world to be a wrestling fan. This is the, this is the trade off. This is the price that we get. We, have this form of entertainment, unlike any other in the world, any anything else on the planet where even as adults, we connect with these characters that are portrayed on television and at live events. And we don't, we, we the suspension of disbeliefs, disbelief works in such a way that we don't really cut off the character from the real person. These These, these characters exist to help us escape from whatever we've got going on in our day-to-day life. And so when we're hit with the loss of a human being that created and portrayed a character as massive in the landscape of professional wrestling as Bray Wyatt was and is as a character, there's a there's going to be a profound sense of loss. This is the this is the cost of, of 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 being a fan sometimes is is having times like this, although this time is not one that I think any of us would have expected anytime soon. Uh, I, I I I think everybody that I've spoken to, every fan, every person within the business was left in a state of of utter shock. When this tweet went out on Thursday, uh, Thursday evening, a tweet came out from Triple H that said, just received a call from WWE Hall of Famer Mike Rotunda, who informed us of the tragic news that our WWE family member for life, Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, unexpectedly passed earlier today. Our thoughts are with his family, and we ask that everyone respect their privacy. At this time. And I think people started refreshing Twitter like crazy, looking at at, at at every possible explanation, any possible way that this could not be real. Because it didn't feel real. It still, quite frankly, doesn't feel real. Watching SmackDown pay tribute in this kind of beautifully emotional way, you know, starting the show not only with everybody on stage, but two things. That shot of, of, the, of the rocking chair alone by itself with, with no one to sit in it forever anymore, I think did a number on all of us fans, but also listening to the fans without being prompted all together in Louisville, Kentucky, singing he's got the whole world in his hands. And I mean singing it together in unison because everybody in that building was feeling the same thing. That's the power of professional wrestling. And that's the power of connection. That's the connection that Bray Wyatt was able to establish with WWE fans, with wrestling fans, with people who hadn't watched wrestling in a long time. I, I, I heard from so many people that said Bray Wyatt or The Fiend was one of those characters that I hadn't watched in years. And I started tuning in to see what what's going on with The Fiend. Like, What's up with The Fiend? That's different. That's interesting. What's going on with that? And to those of us that were watching, the connection that Bray was able to establish with the audience is, is unparalleled. I, I don't know how else you could possibly explain the fact that the entire audience was singing He's Got the Whole World in His Hands without a little bouncing ball and lyrics on the screen like it was karaoke. That every time Bray would come back, we'd all sit together as fans, as a a wrestling fan community and sort of try to decipher clues that he was leaving, try to break down the characters that he was portraying, try to see how one weaved into the other. It's very rare that you find people, characters, performers, they can establish a connection like that with this audience, with this, with this WWE, with this wrestling audience. Uh Wyndham Rotunda, not Bray Wyndham, left behind a wife, a brother, a sister, parents, four children. He was only thirty-six years old. Um, his he's the grandson of Blackjack Mulligan, the son of Mike Rotunda, aka IRS, the nephew of Barry Wyndham. The brother of Bo Dallas. He left behind all those people. And 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 not only did he leave behind all those people in his family and and his his wonderful wife and his adorable children, but he left behind this entire community of people that he had built around him. Bray is is one of these guys who I think everybody now knows is universally beloved and that doesn't happen by mistake. Uh, If you look at all of the candid photos that were posted of him from different superstars in in locker rooms, uh, out to dinner, in cars, in green rooms, every single one of them, Bray had this massive smile on his face. And I think anybody that spent any amount of time with Bray knows exactly the smile that I'm talking about. It's this incredible, infectious, joyous, and joyful smile, attitude, expression that Wyndham had every time that I saw him and in every picture that I saw him in. And that I think explains and moves further the connection that he had with with the audience because he had that same connection in real life you met that guy once and you just wanted to be around him you wanted to to to, have, to take in some of that happiness that he was sharing but on top of 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 leaving behind this this amazing family and extended family as well as this incredible social circle so social circle easy for you to say of friends and coworkers he leaves behind us legions of fans who, after got to witness the fact that after this individual grew up surrounded by the industry, like very few others can relate to, it's probably another reason why he would have gotten along with people like the Usos, like Roman Reigns, like all these people who, who know what it's like, the second generations, the third generations that have gone through this business. They know what it's like to have that shadow cast over them, and it's it's very rare that you can break through that shadow as, as fans. Not only did we get to see Bray Wyatt break through that shadow to the point where it The people who were related to him became a trivia fact, not a biographical fact. You didn't talk to Bray Wyatt and go, oh, so your dad was IRS, huh? And if you go back and look at interviews of people who tried that nonsense, Bray put them right in their place immediately. Oh, did your dad do your taxes? Bray had an immediate response. No, it was a trivia fact. Another thing you might not know about Bray, actually, did you know his dad, his grandpa? You know, Barry Windham is his uncle because Bray was so good at standing out as an individual in this world where everyone, the most larger than life people that you will ever meet in your life, and they're all trying to stand out from the pack. From the pack, Bray was able to not only stand out, but do so in such a way that it completely changed and disrupted the industry forever. You guys know what a fan I am of Bray Wyatt. Anybody that's listened to this podcast is well aware of the affection that I have for that character and the person portraying that character. But, uh, I mean, I did a a ton of content on the podcast around him. We did many interviews with Bray. You know, several interviews over the years. You can go back and find them all. They're all, you know, on this podcast feed, on YouTube, whatever. We, uh, right after WrestleMania thirty six. Over on the Not Sam YouTube channel, we did a full breakdown of every little detail of that Firefly Funhouse match that I love so much. And of course, here on Not Sam Wrestling, it wasn't even that long ago when Bray Wyatt got released from the WWE in 2022, we did an entire sort of character career retrospective on what what, what an important being this was in the history of WWE and the journey that that character had been on. So I did want to look at some of that today, but, but just just to contextualize how industry-shifting Bray Wyatt was. Very, very, well, not very briefly put, I would imagine, knowing me, but briefly put, uh, Bray was introduced to us for the most part on television in 2010 on uh, NXT, on the NXT game show, the reality show. It was before NXT was a brand. FCW still existed as the WWE's developmental territory, but NXT took over for the ECW, WWE show on Sci-Fi, And it was just like hybrid wrestling reality contest show where rookies from FCW were partnered with pros to be like their mentors. And there would be like it was it was a terrible show. There would be like contests and everything, and one person at the end would win a WWE contract. And while that wasn't Bray Wyatt by any stretch of the imagination, that's where we met Husky Harris. That was the first time we saw Husky Harris on WWE branded national television. And coincidentally enough, he was paired with Cody Rhodes on that season of NXT. Uh and You know, he ended up getting eliminated, whatever it was, you know, halfway through the season. And for moments, we would see clips of the intensity that we would one day see as Bray Wyatt. If you really look, like, especially when he gets eliminated, there are moments where you can see that Bray is kind of fighting to get out of of Husky Harris. I mean, you have to imagine, this is, you know... 2011, that's 12 years ago. That means he's, what, 23, 24 years old, right? So he's a kid. He's a boy still trying to exist in a man's world and figure out how he fits in. And his husky hairs, even though he didn't win the NXT show, he ended up going to the main roster, uh, joining the Nexus group that was led by Wade Barrett. But this this was after Nexus had had their hot angle and they were trying to figure out who it was. He became... Uh, part of the new nexus with CM Punk, which was the angle CM Punk was doing before the 2011 Money in the Bank, before the pipe bomb, before all that stuff. Um, but then eventually was written off TV and sent back to FCW, where he started to develop this new character. And towards the end of of FCW's run, Husky Harris kind of reinvented himself as Bray Wyatt. And this is the the eater of worlds. This is the original Bray Wyatt that we would see on TV, right? This is the one with the lantern. This is the one with the rocking chair, with the hat, with the Hawaiian shirt that would walk around with uh, Rowan and Harper. But it really, it was only sort of starting to take shape at the end of FCW. And then when, when FCW was fully rebranded as NXT, And NXT became its own third brand, its own property. The show started airing on Hulu on a weekly basis. From episode one of what we now know as NXT, the Wyatt family were kind of a a big act as far as acts went. I mean, nobody was watching that show, but in an effort to say there's something going on here, that, the Wyatt family, is what was going on there. They would get moved uh, over to the main roster, same time as the Shield, by the way, which is amazing when you think about it. I mean, that is that's the youth that is brought over to the main roster all at the same time. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns are are grouped together to form the Shield, and then this pre existing group, the Wyatt family, Harper, Rowan, and Bray Wyatt, are brought over uh, at the same time. I mean, it's pretty. You bring over six guys like that, and you have four of them become world champion, and the other two stay together and become tag champions at WrestleMania, uh, that's, that's a pretty good average. I would say you're averaging about 100%. Um, so uh, the original Wyatt family, I feel like uh, people remember extremely fondly, really beloved. My favorite singular Bray match of that early period is probably the 2013 Royal Rumble match with with Daniel Bryan. You know, and when he beat Daniel Bryan in Bray's best match up until that point, and he beat him clean, and it let you know, oh, there's movement here happening with Bray Wyatt. And then the beginning of 2013 was great. I mean, that was then the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view happened, which would go on to be a staple of Bray's. And uh, they did the Wyatt family versus The Shield, six-man tag. The Wyatt family beat The Shield, with, I believe... Bray pinning Roman Reigns. That was 2013, and then of course uh, WrestleMania follows that. WrestleMania was the story of Bray Wyatt versus John Cena, which is sometimes forgotten about it because at WrestleMania 30 you had that was YesMania, you know that was Daniel Bryan's show, but right under the surface was this amazing story. And if you go back now and you watch the video package that aired leading up to John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. This is really the beginning. I mean, you know, Bray had talked about this stuff before, but this is really the beginning of Bray trying to to kill your heroes, trying to destroy your idols. That was Bray and John Cena at WrestleMania 30. And while he didn't beat him, I think everybody fondly remembers that Bray John story going in. And the fact that At that point, John Cena was coming off of two WrestleManias against The Rock, 28 and 29, and Bray Wyatt shows up to WrestleMania 30 ready to stand on the same stage as John Cena. It's a big look for Bray Wyatt. Not only that, but a month after that at Extreme Rules, he beat John Cena in the cage match in that moment that we all remember where the little kid, creepy little kid, Walks right up to the cage and sings. He's got the whole world in his hand to John Cena. John Cena looks freaked out. Boom. Sister Abigail drops John Cena for the one, two, three. Bray Wyatt beats John Cena. but People sleep, I feel like, on Bray Wyatt's WrestleMania moments because they don't always pan out perfectly. But there's so much gold. And what's left to Bray, and this is what you really have to look at when you're talking strictly about performers. It's like if you're in Hollywood, and you're looking at somebody who's a good actor, but the movie stinks. If their acting is good, well, you can look elsewhere for the movie being bad. But what they're in control of, they're knocking out of the park. When you look at WrestleMania 30, you've got Bray and John Cena. And Bray tells this amazing story. And I still remember, I remember thinking about Bray hitting that, you know, backwards spider position. And John Cena freaking out when he saw it. It was so awesome. And a year later, WrestleMania 31, Bray versus The Undertaker, one year removed from The Undertaker losing his streak. And now Bray is there. And that match is so special, I think, because there'd been this, this plenty of rumbling about the fact that the, the Bray Wyatt character had so much kind of depth to it and was, was was so was such a, a comic book come to life, right? It was so this character that does not exist in reality, but somehow is, is the, the person portraying it is making us believe that this exists on paper. The undertaker is a silly character, but when that man put on those gray or purple or fingerless gloves and walked to the ring with his hat on, from 1990 all the way up until the end, to this day if he did it, we all believed in The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt was the exact same way. We all believed in Bray Wyatt, even though we never met a Bray Wyatt in real life. And it led to a lot of people going, man, I haven't seen a character like Bray Wyatt since The Undertaker, man. Bray Wyatt is like Undertaker level characters. You heard that all the time, that comparison was made. And I always felt like having Bray Wyatt face the Undertaker at WrestleMania 31 was this acknowledgement, we hear you, you're right. This is, this is the present versus, or slash past, honestly, versus the future. Then you go to WrestleMania 32. And you've got this segment with The Rock where The Rock comes out as a surprise. And everybody remembers, you know, The Rock beating uh, Eric Rowan quickly. But if you really go back and watch that, I get goosebumps watching that promo. Cause again, the same way at WrestleMania 30, Bray stepped on stage and shared it with John Cena. At WrestleMania 31, Bray stepped on stage and shared it with The Undertaker, an icon. Of the last, before that, what was that, 20, 20, 31. It was 25 almost years of a WrestleMania icon staring back at him, and he shared the stage with them. And then he goes to WrestleMania 32. And who's standing in that ring but The Rock, the biggest star the industry had known. And he looks right at The Rock and once again shared the stage with him. And there were two lines that when he delivered it, it was like, yes, this is why I love Bray Wyatt. When he goes, this isn't your moment, Mr. Rock. And he points to the crowd and he says, this certainly isn't their moment. And he looked at him without blinking, without an ounce of doubt in his eye. And he said, this is my moment. And whether he's gonna get the physical best besting of The Rock, whether he's going to get the hero's exit, no matter what's going to happen in that singular moment, it was his moment. He was taking it. It didn't matter how it was going to end. It mattered what was happening right then. And right then, you couldn't watch that screen without believing he is making it his moment. And then The Rock said, I don't know what door you're knocking on, what door you think you're knocking on. He made some joke about him eating Hot Pockets and Bray was unfazed. He didn't care about the Hot Pockets joke. He didn't care that he was face-to-face with an icon. He didn't care that 100,000 people in Dallas were cheering for The Rock. He looked right at The Rock and he said, you're misinformed, Mr. Rock. See, I didn't come here to knock on a door. I came to break one down. And you're just like, oh my God. He's. Ta- I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. He's taking this for himself and where does it leave him a year after that at Wrestlemania 33 he's the defending WWE champion in a match against Randy Orton I mean it when 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 it's the spotlights on him and it's crunch time there ain't a man alive who could have taken that moment away from him he, before WrestleMania uh, 33, obviously, to win that WWE championship, he he won the Elimination Chamber match, which a lot of people, like, fantasized about. A lot of his fans wanted to happen, but we didn't really believe that it was going to happen. John Cena walks in. He loses in the beginning of the match. We know there's going to be a new world champion. And at the very end, Bray puts out AJ Styles, and he wins the WWE championship. He goes to WrestleMania. He defends it. Um, so, you know, and then, then after that, he's, 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 there's a big figuring out what's next period. What's next for Bray Wyatt? What are we going to do? You know, we do the Matt Hardy stuff we do. And he goes away for a while. And then 2019 happens and 2019, we had no idea what we were in for with this Bray Wyatt. 2019 is really where he takes everything that he's done. And I feel like he's matured so much as a performer. Think about it. This is a guy who's now been at a WrestleMania stage with John Cena, The Undertaker, and The Rock. This is a guy who's been a defending WWE champion. This is also a guy who went from Cena to The Undertaker to The Rock to champion to pre show. This is a guy who has ridden the roller coaster. You got to see the highs and see the lows. And when you come out on the other side, that's when we determine if you're built for this or not. And when Bray had gotten all that experience, a monster had been created. And as a character, it showcased itself as a monster. Vignettes start airing. We start, is this Bray? Is this Bray? And we see Bray Wyatt. But now he's like a kid show host. It's 2019, the beginning of the Firefly Funhouse. The Firefly Funhouse, of course, uh, you know, anybody that wasn't already sold on Bray Wyatt, I don't know a soul who looks at the beginning of the Firefly Funhouse and doesn't think this is just the most genius, outside-the-box, revolutionary stuff that could have possibly been going on at the time. Not only is Bray Wyatt the host of the Firefly Funhouse, but he's joined by by characters including Mercy the Buzzard, Abby the Witch, Rambling Rabbit, and Huskus the Pig. Now, of course, we've gone over this many times before. Mercy these this these are Bray Wyatt's insecurities. These are the emotional walls that have stopped Bray from succeeding. These these are Bray's failures ultimately. Mercy the Buzzard, being the original Bray Wyatt character, which was, he felt, too close to Waylon Mercy, a character played by Dan Spivey in the WWF. Abby the Witch, of course, referring to the sister Abigail uh, 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 lore that was added to the Bray Wyatt character. Ramblin' Rabbit, I have always thought, was a reference to the fact that people were critical of his promos at points, just rambling on and then not understanding what he was talking about. And of course, Huskis the pig boy, Husky Harris, right? And Husky Harris, this is the character that that higher ups at the WWE thought needed to lose weight and he just couldn't do it. All these characters result in a fifth character, which is the fiend. And I always thought that the fiend was what happens when inside one person's mind, Inside Bray's mind, Mercy the Buzzard, Abby the Witch, Ramble and Rabbit, and Huskus the Pig all exist. The Fiend is created. This is where I talk about Bray Wyatt being industry shifting. This is where I talk about Bray Wyatt changing everything because Bray Wyatt took Wyndham's real life story, of what he was insecure about, of what wasn't working, of what failed. And he used that to shape this monster, but he never literally said it. He didn't, nobody ever said the fiend is Bray Wyatt after having failed a bunch of times, never. It was left to interpretation. That's how I interpreted it. Maybe if you had asked him at a certain point, he'd say, Sam, you're way off. But regardless, a story had never been told like this and having so many layers and, and, and meta levels. This is where I think, generationally, Bray Wyatt is going to have the most impact on wrestling. That there are st- superstars that forever will be influential. There are Everybody's got a story the first time they saw Ric Flair. Nowadays, it's it Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. You know, you see current day superstars reenacting entire Bret the Hitman Hart matches. You hear superstars talk about the first time they saw Shawn Michaels. See, because Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels had a whole generation of people that weren't six, seven, 300 pounds, but very athletic and loved wrestling, realizing that they could make it because now a path had been carved. What Bray has done here is done something so outside the box and different and applied his unique creativity to the world of professional wrestling in a way that nobody else has ever done before. But he's proven that just because nobody has ever done it doesn't mean nobody ever should do it. I think there's a lot of kids watching that are different. A lot of kids that are weird kids, the weird ones that are watching Bray Wyatt, going, "Oh, if he can do that in that environment, I can do my weird idea if I think it'll connect." And I think, I, I, I think because of this specific character, we're gonna get so much more creativity in the future than we ever would have had Bray Wyatt never existed. So. The fiend, uh, by himself now without, uh, without, without a Wyatt family, without anything would dispose of legends. He'd get rid of Jerry Lawler. He'd get rid of Mick Foley. He'd, he'd come out, he'd get rid of Finn Balor, who was who why, you know, Finn Balor was the first match that the fiend ever had at SummerSlam. So that's, I think why it was so fitting that he main evented the SmackDown tribute, uh, to Bray Wyatt, um. And then on Halloween of 2017, so at SummerSlam 2017, The Fiend makes his debut. And Halloween, by Halloween, The Fiend wins the WWE Universal Championship from Seth Rollins. That is, I mean, how often do you get a character where the WWE sees it and goes, hey, I've got an idea. Let's just have him beat everybody and then put the title on him. That's what they saw in The Fiend, uh, And that's exactly what he did. He wouldn't, you know, eventually he would lose the title. And by the time they got to WrestleMania 36, it was time to have a rematch with John Cena, right? The Fiend finally took a loss. He lost the title. But the SmackDown after he lost, he confronted John Cena. And it was magic. He just showed up behind John Cena as John Cena was saying goodbye, pointed at the WrestleMania sign, and it was on. And this is where we get to this place, that even though The Fiend and this Mr. Rogers character have no similarities to Bray Wyatt at all, now we're realizing that everything John Cena did with Bray Wyatt six years ago, it all still counts. You know how I feel about wrestling when you realize everything counts. Well here, everything counts. We fall into a pandemic. The nation gets locked down. WrestleMania is not happening in front of an audience. So the idea of theatrical matches are, are, are introduced. And one of those theatrical matches is what the John Cena Bray Wyatt match turns into the Firefly Funhouse match. And as I talked about, I did a whole show about it. The Firefly Funhouse match is not only my favorite uh, theatrical match of that era, which is saying a lot because that includes the Boneyard match. I actually thought the Money in the Bank match was a lot of fun. I'm a fan of the greatest wrestling match ever, but that's a whole different podcast. But to me, there's nothing like the Firefly Funhouse match because Bray was in the Firefly Funhouse. The Firefly Funhouse was Bray's brain and all of Bray's failures and insecurities were what was populating the Firefly Funhouse. So when John Cena agrees to have a match inside the Firefly Funhouse, finally, all of these weapons that have been used against Bray by himself. Finally, he can throw towards John Cena and John Cena now has to go on that journey, dealing with every failure and insecurity, dealing with the failure of his debut in those in those orange and blue tights, dealing with the fact that he's never gonna get the Hollywood Hogan NWO heel run because Hogan did it and he wouldn't have. Dealing with the fact that, that people looked at him like a like a 1980s Saturday Night's Main Event guy behind the steel cage bars, and eventually, the fiend is able to put down John Cena in to me one of the most poetic ways uh, ever. Later on that year, he'd end up getting the Universal Championship back. He'd only have it for a week though, because. A week after he won it, he would lose it in a triple threat match. So he never got pinned, I don't think. Uh, but him losing the title was what started Roman Reigns' run as the tribal chief. Right? When we go back and we were just talking about one of the first big wins that Bray had, first it was Brian uh, Daniel Bryan, then it was pinning Roman Reigns. Well, Roman got it back on him. It might not have pinned Bray Wyatt, but that match, taking the title away from The Fiend, is what began this run, the the forever champion, 1,000 days plus tribal chief. That was The Fiend. A rivalry with Randy Orton would start. His partnership with Alexa Bliss would start. People love The Fiend, Alexa Bliss era, and I do too. I thought it brought out a whole new side of Alexa Bliss and showed everything that she was capable of. But I mean, just so insane, so over the top. The Fiend ends up getting burned alive, uh, we we get a we get a burned fiend. The fiend is burned up and wrestle's all burned up like that. I mean it's 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 a it's a Hollywood horror movie villain come to life inside of this live form of sports entertainment. We always talk about how wrestling is like a movie, but there's only so much that you can do live in front of an arena or stadium full of people. And Bray Wyatt has pushed the envelope on that further, I believe, than just about anybody else ever has. WrestleMania, many great moments happened for Bray at WrestleMania, WrestleMania is also the last time we saw that version of Bray Wyatt because after his WrestleMania match with Randy Orton, he got released from the WWE in, in a, a pretty surprising turn of events. And that's why I cut that podcast when I did chronicling the whole character. But in September of of 2002, things got even more interesting because vignettes started running with a QR code. The White Rabbit vignettes, where we all thought it was Bray Wyatt, but we almost didn't want to get our hopes up. We all said, this is what it seems like. And every week, a QR code would pop up. In the beginning, they would just be in the background of promos. Then it would be somebody holding up a sign in the audience. Eventually it would be breaking into uh, uh, matches and promos and little vignettes would run and a white rabbit would be hopping and, 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 and white rabbit, the song would be playing and we're going, what, it's gotta be Bray Wyatt. He was, he's portrayed himself as the Mad Hatter before. There's so much Alice in Wonderland and everything that Bray Wyatt has done. And then the you you a phone number would call up and you uh, would be left and you'd go this got to be a coincidence but you'd call the phone number and there'd be a recording describing the 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 mental conditions of a character who we presumed had to be Bray Wyatt's next character. Uh, 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 run! You'd hear that. You'd hear that. And finally, in October of 2022, at Extreme Rules. Bray Wyatt would return. And when he did return, I mean, you talk about putting together a Hollywood production in an arena in front of a live audience. He did it again. This new song with remnants of the old song is playing. There's smoke billowing. And all of a sudden throughout the arena, we see these characters, human incarnations, Of all the Funhouse characters, we see Huskus, we see Rabbit, Ramblin' Rabbit. We see Mercy, we see Abby, we see The Fiend. And then this swamp door opens and this light shines through and Bray Wyatt walks out with a brand new mask on, holding a lantern, takes the mask off to show his face. And that's all we get. We get a very slow build. Bray Wyatt shows up on SmackDown and, and, and gives us a promo that I think I'm sure, I know I have, and I'm sure a lot of you have, has watched over and over again, holds so much more weight now than it did then. And it held a lot of weight then where he's just presumably speaking as himself and he's talking about coming back and it, and it's, it's Wyndham. It feels like it's Wyndham. It feels like we're getting the real person who's talking to us and is now able to connect with us on a whole new level. Cause now we're building not just a character audience connection, but a human connection is being built. And over the weeks, we see that start to shift and 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 it feels like this person who doesn't want to be this villain anymore who doesn't want to be a monster anymore still has this thing that's chasing him and we're introduced to Uncle Howdy and Uncle Howdy is the mask that was it, it was it was portraying Uncle Howdy when he walked out at extreme rules Uncle Howdy is a different character though sometimes Uncle Howdy is against Bray Wyatt Sometimes Uncle Howdy is Bray Wyatt's friend. Sometimes Bray Wyatt is Uncle Howdy. And we don't know where this is all going, but the rivalry starts up with L.A. Knight. The pitch black match, the Mountain Dew pitch black match happens at the Royal Rumble, where we see Bray Wyatt again, having this pay-per-view match. His aesthetic is totally different. He's got a new outfit. He's got a new mask. He's got special paint on that'll glow under the black light, just looking scary. Uncle Howdy ends up getting in there and doing a dive off of a big thing. But even more than the pitch black match was what happened on the way to the pitch black match at the Raw 30th Anniversary Show. When Bray Wyatt was in the ring and this truly special moment happens when The Undertaker comes to the ring as a surprise. But for the first time in years and years and years, he comes out as the American badass Undertaker. He's riding a motorcycle to the ring. And while he's in the ring, he whispers something into Bray's ear. And I don't know what he said. And I don't think anybody else other than Bray and the Undertaker himself know what the Undertaker said. But Bray has talked about how in a very real way, that moment was extremely special to him and made it all worth it. The Bray went all the way back thinking about WrestleMania 31 and all of the ups and downs and the complications and whatever The Undertaker whispered to him, made it all worth it. And when you think about it now, it's very eerie. It's a a very eerie thing that that level of closure was placed on what Bray did in a period of his career when he was trying his absolute hardest and didn't know if it was going to pay off or not. And The Undertaker said something to him all these years later and it gave him that closure. And it's really interesting that he got that closure because, you know, I mean, we would start to ramp up towards WrestleMania Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt story would start to be built, but it ended up uh, being dropped and the match never happened. And nobody really knew why, but stories would start to come out that Bray was having health issues for some reason and well, wasn't going to be on TV, wasn't going to be at WrestleMania. And that was, you know, March. And since then, There have been little rumblings here and there. Oh, I heard this is going to happen. I heard that's going to happen. Three or four weeks ago on this podcast, there were enough rumors floating around that we fantasy booked an entire return for Bray Wyatt. And I had the time of my life fantasy booking a return for Bray Wyatt because I think I was just like everybody else, that we all just wanted to see him. The fun thing about this Bray Wyatt character was the potential that it had. The stories that that character could tell, that no other character could possibly tell. And the ride that we could go on with him, that that, that there could be levels of depth put into this stuff, that there could be real life put into it, that there could be history put into it, that, 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 that all this stuff could be there. And as fans, we could just spend hours and hours if we wanted to talking about it and trying to break it all down. You know, I I mean, people have talked forever about wanting to do a a Bray Wyatt movie. Rob Fee, who's part of the WWE now as, as, you know, whatever his title is, head of long-term storytelling or whatever, I believe that his first interactions with WWE were centered around trying to option a movie based on not the story of Wyndham Rotunda, the story of Bray Wyatt, this character. Jason Baker, who works with Tom Savini, one of the top special effects companies in the world when it comes to movies. The special effects company that did all the masks for that movie, The Black Phone, that were incredible. And, and, And so many more, by the way. Not only was he just designing masks and costumes for Bray, but he was with him all the time. He went to shows with him. He brainstormed with him. They, they, they came up with, with character ideas together and how those characters would be portrayed. This is next level thinking. This isn't stuff that, you didn't go, this isn't going to a gear maker and thinking, you know, what if I put these initials on my tights? This is like, how do we elevate the medium? And, and, the older I get as a fan, that that thought is something that that I think about all the time. How as fans do we elevate the medium? It's what it should be all about. And ultimately, that's what Bray Wyatt did. That to me is one component of the legacy of Bray Wyatt that I believe that he elevated the way stories can be told in this incredible medium that we all love. The other thing that he did was he brought wrestling as much as he was non-traditional. He brought wrestling back to what it was supposed to be in its truest form. He made us believe in monsters. When was the last time in this world where we all know what's going on in this social media world, well, we've all got the inside scoop. We're all smarter than the guy next to us. When was the last time that a monster made us believe that they were real? Bray Wyatt had us believing in monsters. How is Seth Rollins gonna beat the monster? How is Finn Balor gonna beat the monster? How is Roman Reigns gonna beat the monster? I mean, there have been a lot of people who believed in The Fiend to the point where it was like, they're like, what's next for Roman Reigns? That's what I want to see The Fiend come back and do. Finally get revenge on Roman. Because at this point, who else would be a believable opponent? I would say that's pretty high praise in the short term. And I I think, I personally think it speaks to the long term as well. I mean, I I'm look, I've had the extreme privilege of getting to, have a a very, very unique perspective. I've uh, consciously never sort of lost my perspective as a fan because that's what I enjoy being. That's why I do all this stuff that I do. That's why I can sit here and talk to you about this because I love it, because I'm thinking about it, Because and I'm thinking about it as a fan. But at the same time, I've, I've coexisted with these people that I'm fans of on a very professional level and and in a very, very small way tried to contribute to, to their business uh, by, you know, working with WWE. And, you know, I told this story on uh, Busted Open with Dave LaGreca and Tommy Dreamer that I'll never forget. I don't even remember what pay-per-view it was, but I remember The Fiend was headlining. I remember The Fiend was on it, wrestling. I would imagine it was headlining, I don't know and i'll never forget i like i know this guy bray i know him and after the match i see the fiend coming out of the curtain coming into the backstage area and in my head i'm going oh my god it's the fiend i'm going oh my god like i'm like it's a real monster i know the guy who portrays him i'm going i can't believe it this is terrifying what's he going to do I mean, I don't think he's really going to do. I'm an adult, I know. But on some level, it's like he could just grab me and mandible claw me right now. But I got to maintain my professionalism. So as I walk by, I go, and I don't even know if I should make eye contact or not because he's got those colored contacts in and they're red, scary eyes. And I go, oh my God, that was great, man. And the fiend leans into me, taps me on the belly and goes, thank you, handsome, and keeps walking. And I go, that's Bray. I go, Bray just existing as the fiend, not even in front of an audience, made me believe in the fiend. But the minute that he wanted to embrace me on a level, say hello, whatever it was, he brought he he brought me right in. He left me at ease. He made me feel good. He still had those fangs in his mouth. Just an unbelievable guy and an unbelievable performer, the likes of which we, uh, frankly, will never see again. Never. And it's like you ask, well, could there still be a Wyatt Family movie or a Fiend movie or a Firefly Funhouse movie? Who on earth could play Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was, I don't even want to say it, he was here and he's gone. And and that's a, an incredibly tough thing to think about. But realistically, there's nobody on earth that could come close to portraying Bray Wyatt. Because I don't think Wyndham was portraying Bray Wyatt. I think Wyndham was Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was Wyndham. When he needed to be the Fiend, he was the Fiend. When he needed to be Bray, he was Bray. When he needed to be Wyndham, he was Wyndham. And that's it. And that's part of wrestling. You know, a year ago, when, I believe this was around the time that he got released, or maybe a little bit after, um, Bray Wyndham he tweeted this out and this is uh something that's been going around uh the internet people have been reminded of this just because i feel like it's it's pretty profound in the sense that we get it immediately and he's right but it's also such a a, a door opening into his brain and and how he perceives things. He wrote, uh, this is his tweet from August 7th, 2022. Wrestling is not a love story. It's a fairy tale for masochists, a comedy for people who criticize punchlines, a fantasy most can't understand, a spectacle no one can deny. Lines are blurred. Heroes are villains. Budgets are cut. Business is business. But it can also be a land where dead men walk, where honor makes you elite, where demons run for office, and rock bottom is a reason to rejoice. Woo! It's an escape, a reason to point the blame at anyone but yourself for two to three hours, an excuse to be a kid again, and nothing matters except the moment we are in. Wrestling is not a love story. It's much more. It's hope. And in a world surrounded in hate, greed, and violence. A world where closure may never come. We all know a place that has hot and cold hope on tap. For better or for worse. It's as profound now, if not more so when he first wrote it. I don't remember a loss in wrestling, in recent memory anyway, that hit this hard. I think uh, a lot of you guys feel the exact same way about this. Um, It's been incredible seeing everybody in the wrestling community come together uh around just love and support for the work this guy did. I think it's a I think it's a great thing that when somebody goes to remind the world of how much they accomplished. Because everything I just said about Wyndham Rotunda and everything he was able to get done, all the world titles, all the different characters, All the giant moments and the fact that the industry was forever changed because of his inclusion and activity in it was all done before he turned 37 years old. And that is as remarkable as anything I can think of. I think that History will be very kind to the legacy of Bray Wyatt. I think that Bray Wyatt is is timeless. And I think that, that it 20 years from now, we'll all get together and talk about how truly important Wyndham Rotunda was to the pro wrestling industry as a whole. Um... At this point, I would yell out, or tell you to follow the buzzards. But I think that would be cheesy. So instead, I'll say thank you. I say thank you to Bray Wyatt. And let's keep talking about him. Let's keep this energy. Let's continue to support the things that we love and that make wrestling better. And let's embrace everything that made Bray Wyatt special in professional wrestling as the weeks, months, and years go on. Thank you, guys. That was Bray Wyatt.